Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast once again from me, Mark Woods. Thank you so much as always for joining us back after our mini half-term break. Some great guests lined up over the next few weeks. The podcast in partnership with Odds Index, home of great betting resources where you can get my weekly NBA picks and what odds to take or leave. You can find it all at oddsindex.com. Now, our guest this week is one of the BBL's very best bigs. He's currently manning the middle for the Cheshire Phoenix. He is Michael Ochirobi. A big Mike, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. I feel like, you know, big Mike should be a cliche. I, you know, are you one of those players? I mean, you can't get away from your height that likes people constantly pointing out your big, or are you one of those folks that would rather they never mentioned it again? Um, I, I, I guess I, I've, I've always I've told people my name's just uh, then when they ask me what's your name I, I say Michael and then automatically they just put big 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 in front of it. So, <laughs> I mean it's not like I go around telling people to call me that, but it's it's something that people uh, have been calling me since uh, my early days and um, it's just stuck with me really. I don't really think about it too much anymore. I'm, I'm not really bothered um, uh, right now. Teammates um, and everything calling me Big Mike is all right, but if like. Um, my close friends or my family also call me Big Mike. That would be a bit weird. So, <laughs> what, what age did you sprout? Were you one of these kids that like got up early, or were you one that sort of suddenly out of nowhere you you elevated? Yeah, I, I think it was suddenly out of nowhere. Um, I started um, I started basketball pretty late, so I started playing basketball at uh, seventeen, um, and uh, going to um, Grand Canaria, the basketball academy, really helped me sharpen up my tools and catch up on all those all those years that I missed out in, my, uh, in the early stages of my life. Um, so it all came together pretty quickly for me. And um, yeah. Talk about that late journey in a bit. But you know, we're early in the season now and you know, the next you know, four and five start in the league. You know, it's, it's part of last year's team, part of you know, a new team. I mean, how, are you, how satisfied are you guys with that first what, it's now month and a bit of the season? Um. You know, there's there's a few games that we let get away that we we should have uh, taken care of, um, and um, there's been there's been a few a few changes to the roster and whatnot. So you know, we're still trying to get uh, used 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 to each other and um, a lot of um, new new plays and, and everything that that has changed it. But um, we know we know what we're capable of. We, we've yet to still play 40 minutes of, of great basketball. We've had stints where we've played 30 or or 20. 25 minutes um but it's just getting on the same page and getting it together and that comes with time you know there's uh you can't really you can't really rush that um and i feel i believe that's something that will come anyway i mean this is the new bbl where you know money talks and there's big ambitions and you know a, a, a small town club like the knicks playing out of a relatively small venue you know this isn't the place that you guys are supposed to belong yet last season you go off and you win the BBL trophy. And yeah, I wonder, was there a certain sort of, I don't know, big pride in that from, I guess, probably over overachieving in the way that we're expecting the league to go now? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, uh, people see us as the underdogs when we play the Londons or, um, or you know, the teams with the bigger budgets. But um, 
I, I don't I don't really pay pay attention to none of that. Um, and our, our mindset uh, last year going in for the trophy was just to go out there and play. You know, each and every um, one of us know what we're capable of. Um, it's, it's your state of mind at the end of the day. You know, um, we're all we're all human beings. That's how I see it. We're all on equal footing. It's just who puts in. Uh, the hardest work, you know, who, who works harder, who wants it more, really. When that's what it comes down to, you know, personality. Do you have to prepare a slightly different way and practice a slightly different way? And then it has a, a there's a little bit more depth this year, but it's, it's not, you know, expansive. When you know that you're going to have to play more minutes and the rotation's that bit tighter, how does that change practice, you know, from maybe other teams you've been on where, you know, the minutes are going to be spread a little bit more evenly yeah um definitely you know our, our loads at practice will be a bit lighter if we've had guys that have been playing 30 35 plus minutes or something like that we, we will take uh, the load off we will go for like an hour and a hour and 15 or hour and 10 sometimes even an hour or whatnot but it would be a hard it would be a hard hour you know we, we would get uh, an intense hour we'll get what we need to get done within that time and then after get some shots up stretch um ice baths you know take care of our body so yeah ben thomas you guys go you know guys don't go back just to when you signed for cheshire you you guys go way 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 back yeah we do way back for sure um met ben first when i was um 18 I think 17 just turned in 18 um, in Gran Canaria, uh, the CBA Basketball Academy in, uh, yeah, in Spain, Gran Canaria. And what, what, I mean, I know you were doing there. What, what was he doing there? Believe it or not, he was, he wasn't coaching or he wasn't um, training to be a, be a coach or an assistant coach. He was actually playing basketball and he, he was pretty good. He was pretty good as well. See, not many people have seen Ben Thomas play. Give us a, give us a scouting assessment of the, the young whippersnapper. Um, he, he could shoot the ball pretty well and he had a lot of energy he had a lot of energy um, so yeah I'm trying to talk to him to get back in get back into his ways you know um, and, and lay him up again in, in practice or something but does he, I, does I he ever mix it in practice come on reveal all here does, does he hop in occasionally when you're short handed he, he hasn't this year but last year he did um, last year he did um, and you know he can shoot he's still got the touch he's still got the touch he can shoot the ball pretty well but um you know, like you said, the year is still young, the season's still young. So hopefully, um, he he brings out those uh, the shoes and he laces them back up, and you know we go again for for old times' sake. How many times have you blocked him in practice? Several blocked him in practice. Yes. Well, this year because he hasn't practiced with us, uh, not once, but last year, if I can remember, maybe twice, maybe twice or three times. But you know, I take it easy on him. Um, <laughs> don't want to hurt his feelings, you know. <laughs> So he's very competitive. He's competitive like myself. So um, yeah, I'll say about two, three times anyway in practice when he did practice with us. You mentioned you're a late starter, and yeah, it's it's not it's not uncommon in British basketball for guys to get pulled in late. But when you've got height, you kind of expect someone to well, maybe get on a chair and tap you on the shoulder and say you should try basketball. What what was your route into the sport that kind of took you so long to? to find this and to discover this was your thing. Um, yeah, well, before basketball, I used to I used to box and um, I used to play football as well. And one of my close friends from my uh, from my area in London, he was um, he used to go play basketball. He doesn't anymore. 
Um, his name is Emmanuel, and he just told me to come down to practice one day. He was like, "Oh, you're tall, you know." Like I kept growing, and he's like, "Oh, you're getting taller and taller. Like come down to basketball, um, and you know, just see see what you think about it, see how you like it." Uh, went down that once and never looked back. Really fell in love with it. Didn't understand. Didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I was just like, "This is fun," you know. Like I enjoy this. So I just stuck with it since then. What what sort of boxer were you? What sort of footballer were you? Uh, box. I used to box at uh, Bethnal Green, the Bethnal Green gym. Um, a, yeah, great gym, very well known. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was amateur. It was amateur fighting because I used to get into a, a lot of fights when I was younger. Um, so my dad was just like, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be fighting, you know, you might as well pull it towards something positive um, and 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 discipline yourself, you know. So I definitely learned a lot. Took a lot from from boxing um, in, in terms of disciplining myself and how to carry and handle myself you know as a man um and football um i stopped playing football maybe about the age of 14 or 15 um and yeah again my my mom and my dad was very supportive they took me around um around the country really i used to play for hackney i can't remember what the the name was but i'm from hackney anyway but i played from a, a hackney football team the youth team and they should take me around the country just to all different camps and whatnot. So, yeah. I mean, people talk a lot about that discipline that kids can get from sport. And, you know, boxing one of those sports. I mean, I was speaking to a boxing coach this week, you know, who was, you know, eulogizing the, the difference that his setup made in terms of, yeah, and you mentioned the D word, discipline. You know, it helps yeah. so many kids that maybe are getting into bumps and scrapes and, you know, just need that focus on it. What, where did it come from for you? I mean, what, what did that teach you that you maybe needed at the time? Um, just to how to stay composed and not to always um, lead with my with my emotions. You know, um, it's it's very easy to um, very easy to to take the the easy way out to be negative or to um, the first resolution to try and fight. You know, instead of trying to talk your way out of situations and trying to be humble and, and calm and whatnot. Those are the tough things to do, you know. So uh, boxing really taught me that anyway. And also, like, um, waking up waking up super early, taking care of your body, going to sleep early, um, dieting as well. Um, just just to be a better man all around, really. I mean, you mentioned it was your dad, you know, George, who took you along to it. How much, how much of a persuasion job did it take him to get you to, to, to I guess, commit to that? Um, I mean, it wasn't really too difficult because I was I was a bit I was a bit bad when I was younger. I was a bit noisy, so um, he was either like, "You're not going out, you're grounded," like, or it was either going to send me back to Nigeria or start doing this, you know, start boxing and start putting that negative energy into something positive. So um, I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna gonna get on board and and and, and listen to what Big Man has to say," you know. What What was the best advice you got then from? from the coaches that you were working with? The best advice, best advice. Um, I would always say just like, um, I, I would say that um, one of my coaches said to me that uh, people always, people always doubt you. Um, people always, uh, they, they won't believe, you know, that you're capable of, do, of doing things, but you have to believe in yourself and you have to go out there and, Anything that you want, you have to go out there and strive to get it, you know. So um, um, I've I've kept that with me my my whole career, my whole career, my whole life, and um, 
I see myself as like the, the underdog, you know, um, like nothing is given. You have to earn everything. You have to work for everything and not to have that victim mentality. You know, he told me that nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Um, so you shouldn't feel sorry for yourself. Um, and that's something that's always stuck with me. You know, uh, you just got to go out there and work. You got to go and get it. We're in a blessed and um, privileged situation. Uh, you know, waking up every day doing what we love. So we've got nothing to complain about. We just have to go and get it. That's a bit like the Rocky Balboa philosophy here. Yeah, it's straight out of the boxing ring. <laughs> yeah. The original very motivational. Yeah. With um, with hoops, and you get you say like your friend gets you, and you were kind of lucky. You got you run within two of the programs in London, which you know, are notorious for bringing through talent, but also you know doing great things off the court as well, which is hiring gay and then Hackney White Heat. Um, yeah. you're obviously you know big. And there's a coordination thing there, and it takes a bit of time to, to get used to basketball. How how quickly yeah. were you be able to grasp all this? You know, of you know all the all the mechanics and the motion and the skill of all this. Um, it, it took me a while. It took me a while. Um, I remember the first practice. It was telling me to post up, and I I had no idea what it was talking about. I was just running around. <laughs> I was running around. On the court, and it was like post up, post up, Mike, and I didn't know what the hell they was talking about. But um, it took me a while to get it, and the rules, and the you know travel, and double dribble, and all of that stuff. But um, I, I got it, I got it down in the end, thank God. Um, but uh, Grand Canary was a big was a big uh, factor in, in that because we we would practice three times, three times a day, every day. So you have no option but to succeed, but to get better, you know. Um, and that was the big pillar in my. Oh, a big stepping stone in my in my career anyway. Without that, I don't think I would have caught up so quickly, you know? What do you think? I mean, a lot of guys have gone to that, that academy over the years, and British players, because, you know, they, they've looked heavily at this country. What are, What's the skill development like there that you think probably was distinct or added something different that maybe you couldn't have got so easily here? Um, it is... It's basketball, isn't it? It's eat, sleep, wake up, breathe. It's, it's just basketball. Like as, as soon as you step off that plane and you're on that island, it's basketball, basketball, basketball. Um, and it, it just teaches you everything. It teaches you the ins and outs, um, on the court, uh, off the court, plays, how to see the game. Um, it, it's and it's, it's very it's very tough as well for for the younger athletes, you know. Um, when they're going through that, um, it is make or break because you you get homesick as well. A lot of guys felt like they loved basketball, but they went there and when they saw how much we had to put in to become a good basketball player, you know, a lot of them couldn't hack it and they went home early. So um, it it was it was a really good uh, learning experience and um, definitely taught me a lot of things. Anyway, do you think it helps sometimes? I mean that I mean that's an opportunity that not many people. Probably amongst British players have, have taken. I mean, you look at Joel Freeland, you look at Dan Clark, but you know, most guys go to the States as soon as they possibly yeah. can. Do you think for you that was it was helpful to kind of have that removal from your comfort zone before you went to America? Uh yeah, hundred percent. Without without me even knowing, um back then that that was like the easiest way to go to America. Uh it was either that or you you literally had to tell your friend to record you at games um, in space in Hackney or Haringey um, in, in, in Tottenham and you would 
look up schools in America and you know send a tape out to to their uh, to their addresses, um, and that wasn't really successful, you know. So going to Grand Canaria was like the best bet back then because he they would bring the American coaches or assistant coaches um, down to watch you play, and you know that that was the best opportunity anyway to watch you play. Plus, um, it definitely um, it takes you out of your comfort zone. So not knowing that at the time, um, you're going to be out of your comfort zone a lot when you're abroad uh, and when you're playing professionally and whatnot. So going through that then and being able to to uh, to to get through that get through those hard times definitely helped me further further on down the line. You had that season where you or season summer, you know, when you played for GB under twenties, and you were relatively probably inexperienced at that time. I mean, yeah. do you think that was incredibly useful in terms of a exposing you to you know, the bigger world of basketball as well, in a sense, but also probably giving you that piece of film or that resume builder that you could hold up to other people, and especially in America, and say, actually, you know, amongst my peers here, people actually rate me. Um, yeah, no, definitely. That that was to to my first time um, doing international uh, basketball, going out there and seeing all the talents from different countries, seeing guys from uh, Belgium, Germany, uh, Romania, and like, wow, like you know, like they, these countries have actually got some hoopers. You know, I didn't really think not, and I didn't really think much about them uh, before, but seeing that firsthand at that age when I was what nineteen, I think. Or, or 18 and I was like wow these guys can really hoop they can really ball and um, yeah still obviously early early stages of my career so st- still rough still a bit raw ball, ball in a china shop uh, still trying to get it down and um, you know just look at the guys that have been there previous years be, uh, before me and you know taking notes and learning I mean it's a topical subject this week or you know this, this these few weeks I mean we're sitting here waiting which seems ridiculous that to find out whether there's going to be GB youth teams next year, there's going to be you know, under 16, under 18, whether the under 20 teams coming back. I mean, as someone that's come through that, how much of a loss would it be, you know, A, not to have the under 20s back, but, you know, for for the kids, the next generations, and you see some of them at, at the next now, to not have that opportunity in their development. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't even know nothing about that, but that would be a big shame, though, because you know it, it starts with the youth. You know, you have to um, you have to invest in the youth and get and give gifts to the youth. Anyway, they're our future, so we're only as successful as they are. You know, um, and everything we're doing now with the BBR and the, you know the money coming in and, and all of that is for the youth, and hopefully they can take it to another level. So we have to start at the grassroots. We have to develop uh, the talent over here, and that starts with having the um, the the youth junior uh, the youth uh, national teams um, and building it up you know just like um, other countries they invest heavily in their youth uh, and I I believe we should do the same. When you went to the states and you two years in Duke of junior college at Highland and then you went on to to Western Illinois, um, yeah. did that move your game on as much as you'd anticipated with skill development because you know a lot of it's about winning now. But, you know, that skill development and the nuance and, and all that tactical stuff that you kind of expect? Um, I, I would say Juco, Juco not so much. Juco was kind of like, 
free for all, you know, you got to figure it out. It's, it's, uh, it's a many man over there. Like you just, you're put there and you, you know, you got to survive and, uh, and, and make it out to get that. Everybody's fighting for a scholarship. People are there either because, um, it was it the SATs or second chance or they did something crazy. So everybody's out there just trying to make it out, you know? Um, but I'll say when I went to Western for sure, um, I had some great coaches, um, and yeah, they, they really broke it down to me and showed me different ways and how I can improve my game. Does that come back again to the, the boxing analogy, but is that where the discipline really kicks in when you, you have to fight in a different way, obviously, and you have to be dedicated and you have to push for those extra edges because if you don't, people notice, and if you don't, people will not give you that bigger opportunity. Yeah, for sure. You know, like um, like I said again, we're like we're privileged to be doing this, um, to be playing this sport. So whilst we're doing it, we, you know, you might as well give it a thousand percent, give it your all, because once it's done, it's done, and uh, I don't want no regrets. I want to know that I left everything out there, and I went as hard as I can go, every position, every play. Yeah. When you came back from the states, now, most people are going to rock up at a Cheshire or. Surrey or you know, find a route to come back home not many British players I don't mean to stereotype us but we're not the most adventurous of nations you go to the yeah. fourth tier in France for two years and play there and you know that, that's a grind it's semi-pro it's you know it's again it's a bit I suppose it's like the Juco of French basketball yeah. in a sense why did you choose there and what what was the I guess the learning curve or the learning opportunity like at that level? Um, I would say my my decisions to go there was me being, uh, I was young and, um, you know, you have a lot of uh, guys reaching out to you as soon as you're finishing college. Um, knowing what I know now, I would have made some, probably made some different decisions. I don't regret any decision I made because I'm, I'm happy where I am now and, and the man that I am now. But, um, you know, uh, the things that I know now with, certain agencies they just you know some of them just want their 10% they don't really they don't really care where they place you as long as you place somewhere and they're getting their 10% um that's that's where they'll put you so um and my like my parents didn't know nothing about basketball so I didn't really have no one to tell me like oh you know uh that's like fourth tier I didn't know how good fourth and like fourth and a third tier in France is like a big jump mm. you know it's a really big jump like NM1 to NM2 uh so I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of any of those things. Um, but being there, I met I met some uh, fantastic people. Um, basketball, uh, basketball was good as well. Um, but it's it, it wasn't the uh, the fourth tier wasn't as respected as the third tier or even second tier or whatnot. And to come out of that is 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 tough. Um, I didn't and I didn't have no one to tell me that that if you play at those levels. To come out and play at a high level is way more difficult, you know. Um, so yeah. What's the level like though? Because I mean, if you you go to fourth tier in this country, which is NBL three, if it's still called that, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's not even semi pro. You know, so I'm sure yeah, no one's yeah. getting paid much. The fact is, you were going over there, you must have getting paid something because no one does this for free. But you know what? No, what? How competitive was it for you? Um, it was good. Um, fourth tier over there is not as bad as it sounds. Like mm -hmm. yeah, I know. You hear fourth tier and you're like, wow, fucking fourth tier. Like, oh my gosh. But um, it's, um, I would say it's, 
it's like D one over here, maybe a mm. bit, maybe a, maybe a bit better than D one. Like it's kind of in between. It it's in between. Um, you have some guys that can really hoop, that can really ball, and then you have a lot of the guys that played Pro B or Pro A and in the later later stages of their career, maybe like late thirties or even early forties, and they're just they're playing still for the love of it, but they're playing at, at, at a lower lower tier. Um, so it is it is really good basketball still. It's just not um, as respected. When you come back here for a season with Surrey and then you went back to play in Bordeaux, um, fourth tier again, one of my favourite cities. Great, you know, not not a bad place to spend a, spend a year and you spell Italy as well. Um, yeah. Off the court, what's the best part of that that travelling experience? Of course, just meeting meeting um, meeting new people and seeing how how people live in, in, in different countries and their culture, learning new cultures and. Um, because I, I grew up in London, so I'm a city boy, and you, you know, you, it's very easy to get caught in all this materialistic stuff. But when you see other people in different countries, and they get a, they get through with bare minimum, or you know, the the materialistic things doesn't really matter to them, and they're still just enjoying life and just happy and whatnot. It really opens up your mind and your perspective on life, you know, and uh, makes you grow as a man, you know, to see different things. So uh, Bordeaux was uh, probably one of the best best cities uh, I played in. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Living was good, um, and yeah, definitely a city I, I definitely want to uh, revisit and go back to. Anyway, when it's all said and done, and just probably chill out there. How much did it make you realise the difference between good wine and bad wine? A lot, a lot. The Bordeaux was, like, yeah, definitely Bordeaux was one of my um, places where I discovered my 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 love for wine. So, because um, after every home game, they would give us like a crate of wine to take home with them back to our apartments and um I was just I would just be trying all the different wines and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, this is nice. Oh that's not too good. Oh this is really good. That's good. And you go into restaurants and you know the chefs and the people are recommending, oh drink this wine with that or eat this with that and and, and yeah. So it, it really um helped me anyway with understanding like the hype about wine because I I never I never got the hype before but I, I understand it now. So when you guys are you know you'll have your team dinners at at certain times are you the one that's entrusted with the you know what we're eating this we're having that yeah yeah for sure even uh, like every monday i have a i have a, a wine day um it, i call it moscato monday um it's more of a sweet wine so it's you know for the desserts and whatnot but um and also like the, you know the red wine with, with the meats and whatnot so uh yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm big on that anyway i'm very big on there you go. That's that could be the next career option. Yeah, wine yeah, expert. Yeah. Just, I know there's a word for it. I can't think of it. There's campanologist. Maybe I'm making that up. But yeah, um, <laughs> you. I mean, something's curious. I mean, there's always been big guys with glasses. Um, yeah. How? How? Um, when did? A, when did you have to wear glasses? And um, what's the trick for it? Because most guys would just go and get their eyes up to wear lenses. Why the specs? Uh, okay. So when I was in. Um, my hope, most of my career, I played without glasses or um, or contacts or anything. And then when I got to you know when I got to uh, Division One, Western Illinois, my coach said to me, "You either have to put on contacts or you're getting goggles or you're not playing." Because <laughs> I was always, <laughs> I was squinting. I'm short sighted, so um, I was always squinting on the court. And he was like, "You have to put in contacts or get goggles." So we went to the opticians and we was there for hours trying to put in contacts, but I can't touch my eye, uh, so 
it was uh it was goggles it had to be goggles and at first it was a bit weird for me i felt i felt like uh you know i look i used to wear knee pads as well so i was like i'm a big guy with knee pads and goggles like we're taking it back to the to the 70s now or something you know i felt i felt a bit weird but <laughs> as i kept playing and kept wearing them i got used to it and it, it's kind of you know it's me now you know when people talk talk about me is oh yeah the guy with the goggles you know so it's a part of me now i embrace it and i love it now yeah do you i mean obviously they're specialized ones in terms of the goggles for for um yeah. for basketball I and mean, do, do you have like spare pairs sitting on the bench yeah yeah i've got i've got two pairs uh they're oakley's um so yeah they're very durable um i've been smacked a lot of times in the head um and you know they they break off a little bit, but then you can clip them back in. So yeah, they're durable. They're good. They're expensive, but you know they're, they're worth the money. Um, and yeah, when you um, when you were growing up, um, I know we, we talk about about you know sporting background. You were saying boxing, you were saying football, but um, there's a new Olympic sport coming in in Paris, and it's not you know most people when you mention <laughs> it are going really that's a sport, but you you were a Breakdancing legend. Well, I don't know about the legend. I, I, might been, I might have been a legend in my area in Hackney, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I used to I used to break dance when I was uh, 15, 16. and it was only for about five months or something like that. Me and my cousin, uh, me and my cousin Ken, um, we used to go to these uh, off license and ask for the cardboard boxes that they weren't using or they was going to throw away. They'll give it to us, and we'll go to a park. And just lay them out on the park floor, and we'll just, you know, start start dancing, start start pop locking and break dancing and whatnot. So, yeah, what I was thinking, I have no idea, but but yeah, we did it anyway. Are there videos available of this? And more importantly, are they on the internet? I hope they're not on the internet. <laughs> um, internet the internet back then wasn't really like it is today, but um, maybe my cousin might have some videos because he, he likes to keep on to all those things. I for sure hasn't, haven't got none, but I'm going to ask him if he's got any because that would be good to revisit and, and look at it and, you know, get some laughs. Let's just cut this out. Cousin, if you're listening, just put them up, tweet it at us. We'll, we'll, we'll get it out. <laughs> um, I mean, talking of videos, I mean, your other sort of passion away from basketball and is, is videos and, you know, making videos and videography um yeah. what kind of stuff have you done i mean what's what's your thing when it comes to you know sticking sticking a camera and a you know microphone tripod whatever you've got and, and creating something uh so just just um capturing moments and um different sceneries and uh emotions and feelings and whatnot um i've got uh, a page on, on instagram it's called a uh, tumor tumor visions um and it's just like capturing streets culture people um and the music to match the emotions of the video um something that i i i i always think about anyway and um i i see things and i'm just like okay this that will go well with this or that sound will go well with this this video and this that and the other so i just try and merge it together you know it's in my head it's always playing in my head so i'm like I might as well um, get out there and just try and do something with it and and see where it goes. So uh, it, it's it's a fun it's a fun hobby, uh, something that I enjoy doing. Um, and yeah, what's the importance of having that sort of creative outlet? What's the importance of having that that creative you know juices like your creative juices have have an outlet? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's uh, it's, it's it's really important, you know, um, to find like find. It doesn't feel like it's not it, it's not like a demanding chore or nothing. It's just um, it takes my mind off things. It's like therapeutic, you know, um, almost uh, doing those doing those things and recording and capturing um, capturing different scenes and sceneries. Uh, and I, I I think it's good for the soul. It's good for the mind. It's good to put yourself at peace and at ease, you know, and. Uh, I, feel, I believe everybody's got a calling, um, and the things that you that you constantly think about um, and and see that nobody else can see is your calling, you know. So uh, just feed into that. Do you think you can you can draw with that? I mean, from you know, you've you've had lots of these rich experiences in different places, you know, and ups and downs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, do you, do you feel that 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 helps when you're you know, as I do sometimes, you're looking for a different angle or you're looking for something that, as you said, no one else has spotted that's just there you know, in front of you, but you're the only person that's worked this out or, or sensed something from it. I, I think so, yeah. That's, the, you know, that's the, um, that's the tricky part for, for like, all the athletes. like, because basketball, we, we love to do this, you know, it doesn't feel like work. So I think, like, the, after basketball is finding something else that we love that doesn't feel like work you know that's the difficult part for most athletes um and uh this is something that i i really enjoy and, and i do um from time to time i haven't been as active lately but um definitely will be will be getting back on it um but yeah I, I believe it is important to find that that one thing that you enjoy doing even if you if you do have uh other types of jobs but you take time away from that to to feed your soul, you know, to 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 pursue what you want to do anyway. That's I believe that's really important anyway. To um, what's the word I'm looking for? To to give your time, to to give yourself some time, and to and to do what you want to do, you know, and achieve what you want to achieve. Does that help decompress a bit? I know you don't always have time to do it, but you know, it's, I mean, sport can be relentless and it can be tiring physically and mentally, and you know, there's there is that. Even at this level, there's the pressure to win and there's the pressure to perform. I mean, what do you use that as part of a kind of regime, a sort of decompression or a, you know, a valve to let that competitiveness ease away at times? Um, it, it helps. It helps. It's, I mean, it takes your mind off it. You know, you, you come back home. Um, when I come back home from work, I don't want to think about basketball. That's the last thing I want to think about. You know, I want to take my mind away from that and focus on other things um so it's definitely it definitely helps and it's good to have other hobbies and things that you're interested in you know um i believe i think it's healthy anyway so yeah it it definitely helps with um just putting my mind at ease and clearing my mind and you know just focusing on other things i know you're a big tech guy what's what's the gadget or um machine of choice uh tech guy well um got the the ps5 and i'm really into like monitors as well so i've got um a samsung neo g8 it's uh um it's like a 240 uh refresh rate i don't know if you know anything about that if mm. you're into that tech, tech kind of stuff um it's a va panel and all of that so yeah uh, i've been doing a lot of research into into these kind of things so i'm just playing around with a lot of things really and just um and just just seeing where where my heart goes you know What's your PlayStation game of choice? To the PS5 game right now. I've been playing a lot of FIFA, to be fair. FIFA 23. And is there a is there a BBL kind of 
league or you know channel that you know, you guys will play each other you know t- other teams playing each other uh no no that actually isn't and that would be a good idea to, to set something up because i know a lot of the guys will probably be uh, on the playstation or the xbox or whatnot so that'll yeah. be good to, to some streaming some streaming up or something exactly that takes takes the rivalry into midweek and then you do it all on the code <laughs> at the weekend um i mean you're 20 or 23 33 now um she'd love to be 23 at times um <laughs> how, much, how much longer do you see yourself playing i mean you're still at a great level but yeah no one's getting rich here at least not in cheshire um how much longer do you see yourself playing this game at you know this sort of level um i would say probably about about maybe four four more years i feel i feel like I feel the best I felt, to be fair. I feel better than I did when I was 25, 26. And for me, it's for the love of the sport, you know. Um, like I said before, once it's done, it's done. Um, there's no retiring early and then feeling like I got sand in the tank and trying to come back. I, I just want to leave it all out there. And once I, I close that door, that, that door is closed, you know. So um, just keep taking care of my body. Uh, keep, keep, keep going out there every day and, and giving it my all. And once my body says to me, Mike, it's time to, to hang it up, like, you know, it's, you're getting there now, then, then that'll be the day I'll, I'll stop. I'll take you back 10 years to when you were at college. And, yeah, we all think about things then, and 10 years later we've changed our minds completely. You, you said then, when I'm finished playing, I'd like to be a coach and I'd like to work with kids with disabilities specifically. Mm-hmm. Is, is that still a thing or would you like to be a coach or where does it go? Um, I'll definitely still like to be involved in, uh, in the basketball and uh, definitely uh, grassroots, you know, giving back to the youth and uh, and uh, community as well, especially where I grew up in, uh, in Hackney. Um, it, it, it very much still is a thing and uh, it, that's very important to me as well to, to give back to the youth, you know. Um, they're, they're our future, you know, they're our way forward um, and I'm fortunate enough to to have played in countries that I played in and played at different leagues and meet different people and absorb all this knowledge. So it would be unfair for me not to give it back, you know, and not to um, not to share what I've learned um, in all these different countries and different places and hopefully help another young male or female uh, achieve more than I than I've achieved, you know, and uh, reach higher places than, than I than I have. So. That's key. Last one in this season. Um, where the week after London lost to a domestic team, you guys beat them in the final last season. You and everyone else now thinking, oh yeah, let, let's aim for trophies this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking that regardless. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just hard. I mean, I know obviously they're like you know they're certain teams are the favourites and and whatnot, but. Like I said, we all human beings. Like, there's no nobody's Superman or anything like that. You know, it's just whoever wants it more, whoever plays harder. You know, um, so I, I go into every game. I respect every team, every opponent. Um, I don't, I don't overlook nobody, uh, no matter where they are in the league or how much money the team has. Uh, you know, you just have to go out there and just play hard every possession, really. And they don't have goggles. <laughs> and they don't have that's my that's my secret superpower. So. 
Well, mate, it, it, the superpower long may it continue. Um, it is great talking to you. Thank you so much for guesting and um, have a great rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That is it for this edition of the MVP cast. Before we go, we would like to say Chris Harris passed away a few weeks ago at the age of 89. He was, of course, the first Brit in the NBA. That We've probably not done enough to recognise that accomplishment that I've been lucky enough to speak to him over the years he's we've done a great podcast on him a while ago if you haven't heard his story i encourage you to go back and listen to him you can get it of course via your podcast provider or via mvp247.com but half of all of us in british basketball we send our condolences to his family you can follow us on facebook at mvpcast or on twitter at mvp underscore 24 7 that is it for this edition for me mark woods thank you so much for listening and it's goodbye 